0: Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, Deep Dive with Andy and the White Whale.
1: Welcome to the deep dive. Uh, we are going to close the book on June and get you know put put a put a beautiful bow on a lot of the evergreen topics we've talked about through this football off season tonight uh, with none other than a professional gambler extraordinaire. First ever guest appearance on the Deep Dive, uh, co-host of another spectacular podcast that is creating free content for your earballs to help make you a more sophisticated and better uh, player. Uh, welcome to the Deep Dive, Rufus Peabody. Thank you for having me, guys. So this is uh, this has been a long time it's, yeah, coming. It's been a long uh, time. I f- yeah, I feel I feel like um, uh, there. This we could probably do like an eight part. 10-hour podcast series with all the interesting topics that I'd love to kind of pick your brain on because uh, for sure, I have an enormous amount of respect for the experience you have in the industry. Uh, I have a ton of um, appreciation for more or less the, I'll call it a mission for lack of a better term, uh, of uh, kind of player advocacy for kind of looking out for the little guys, so to speak, in the, uh, who are getting into the gambling market and into the marketplace um, a lot of the kind of messaging and, and concepts that you have put out there and some of your threads have been, um, you know, good, fascinating, you know, good, you know, um, generally good concepts and, and, uh, and, and positive vibes overall uh, for the industry. And so we appreciate all the work you're doing and uh, really kind of want to cover cover some of the stuff that's been uh, been stirred up uh, of late, uh, by some of the podcasts, the hot we've done. Buttons. some and, of the, com- yeah. there's a lot of that,
2: right? I mean, uh, on gambling Twitter, there's always a lot of that.
1: It's a good point. There is a lot of that. Um, but for, you know, for the last, you know, just, just in terms of the audience and, and kind of, um, you know, getting the conversation going, uh, some of the stuff we've brought up about, uh, you know, the, the, the intricacies, nuances of touting, Uh, The uh, the importance of understanding motivations, especially as it relates to affiliate model uh, and for gambling content like all this stuff really, you know, I think makes makes you kind of a unique person to kind of comment on, you know, what what is needed uh, for the gambling space as we move into this new era of legalized gaming in the United States, Um, you know, what you know what you think what you know some lessons that you think are are especially important for the industry at large and people who are creating content that we can carry forward into the next season cuz guess what this is probably the last of these kind of evergreen topics we're going to do Andy cuz i'm dying to talk football uh, after of course after we handicap the hot dog eating contest next week <laughs> yeah so
0: <laughs> somebody yeah somebody somebody did ask us about that in the DMs <laughs> Somebody it's said, coming. "When are you guys gonna start talking football?" Because I know it's and coming. I said, uh, you know, mid mid July and August, we got to get uh, we got to get excited. It is everybody's favorite sport, much so." I'm but yeah, dreading. this has been a ton of fun. I'm these dreading. evergreen
2: stuff. You're dreading goodness. it, really? I'm just not ready yet. It's, it's super hard. It just it just it just sneaks up on you. Like mm. I'm I'm looking, you know, right now I'm working on like upgrading some stuff on my golf, like some other sports I'm, I'm deep diving into. And I'm just not ready for football yet. I, I need, I need a longer off season.
1: Hmm. Well, this brings a perfect, perfect first question before we kind of get into the heavier topics, you know, what are you into right now? Sports wise, like what is, what is tickling your fancy in terms of the research and, and trying to uncover new angles and new aspects as far as handicapping and modeling sports predictions?
2: So right now I'm I'm kind of revisiting some some stuff with golf basically that I haven't um, done in the last few years, uh, sort of deeper dives, re-estimating mm-hmm. decay functions, boring stuff like that. But I'm also doing something bigger um, on a new sport, a bigger sport, and and Ooh. try like but that's gonna be something down the line. Um, I don't want to discuss much on that, but that's you know, it, it, you know if I can beat this sport, I'll be fine. Um, you know, but can I beat it? That's the question. Mm. Uh, so you can read yeah. the lines there. Um, yeah,
1: I think you got the knack for soccer. We all get it. It's uh it's, it's, it's beatable. It's a, it's a liquid market. Um, but no, I'm. Not. I guess
0: it's going to be tennis. But I don't know. Uh,
2: nobody <laughs> I guess we'll, we'll, we'll see. It's not soccer. It's not tennis, huh? Hmm. Well, that's really interesting then. I, um, I can neither confirm nor deny.
1: Okay, all right. Well, soccer makes soccer makes the most sense to me because it does feel like that's going through a decent analytics revolution right now. Um, and if you are the kind of person who likes to take on high liquidity pools uh, with a numerical model, I feel like that's Jesus, a yeah. nice place to attack. <laughs> I feel like that is a as uh, a damn decent place to attack. So we'll give that as inspiration to all the
0: well, people and then, yeah, the, modeling. The joke about the NFL, the you know, you're not ready for the NFL. It's because you're constantly on Twitter like that was when joked about that <laughs> off uh, off the air but i feel like you know you you've re- you've really ramped up your twitter presence it used to just be every once in a while you'd you just spout off to R.J. Bell and getting a little tiff, uh, uh, uh. and then you disappear again. But. <laughs> yeah. Now, <laughs> now, no, no. no, now you're.
1: Uh... Is there is there Are any you... truth? Is there any truth to the rumor that your your entire Twitter presence and everything that you're doing in terms of growing a following and kind of being the conscience of gambling uh, Twitter is it all just so you can get on ballers? Is that true?
2: Um. I thought you were going to go with, oh, is that oh. also I can actually just become a talent later on? <laughs> I mean, I think it's it's pretty obvious. Everybody's goal in life should be to be on Ballers. They
0: go hand in hand.
2: If, if <laughs> Do I get to share a trailer with RJ Bell? Uh, oof. Uh, like, no, 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 if no, RJ good. Bell will sign my script. I'd, wanna, I'd I mean, watch that I'd reality want... show. <laughs> they should, for the next season of, um, of the Showtime action thing, they should just have... They should have me and RJ Bell like interacting <laughs> on an episode,
1: sharing a trailer in the seat on the set of Ballers. Yeah. this works. This works. I'm gonna pitch this. Um, okay, uh, but let's you, get, you know, let's get, yeah, let's get let's get a little bit serious. Um, you you uh, you you commented on the talent podcast we did. You commented on the affiliate podcast we did. I'd really really love your thoughts. See if you can add any nuance, any um, kind of deeper, uh, you know, sort of under underpinnings that. People should be taking away from those conversations as far as you know all, all levels you know we're, we're, we're mostly I think we're mostly reaching sort of the rec plus gamblers out there um, but there's probably some people who are relatively new to this here as well like you know what 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 is it what are a couple of some of the lessons learned uh, on those two topics that could put a bow on that for us
2: I mean I, th- I think the biggest thing to me is just transparency and uh, you know I think it, both with touting and the affiliate stuff I mean I think if, if I read an article, I want to know it, if, if, you know, I want to know if the person writing it, like if, 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 they're making money off of me, clicking a link, right. Um, I, I feel like that then I can better assess their motivations. Um, and if I'm buying paste from a tout, I would like to, uh, well, actually that's a big, very big if, um, <laughs> if, if I'm, you know, if someone is buying face from a tout, um, I feel like or are looking at a tout's record. I feel like there should like it, i would like there to be some sort of repository like to be able to actually track that like an independent third party monitoring this kind of thing so that um you know and and so that consumers actually have a place to to actually go to know that a record is real or not real right just because i mean now like let's say you're a talent and you actually have legitimate records i mean and you say you hit like 57% or something. Let's say you actually do hit 57%. You're like the, the the golden goose of touts. Um, nobody's going to believe Half the people aren't going to believe you because they'll be like, Oh, well you falsified your record probably because that's kind of the default because that's basically what the industry is. I mean, it's a bunch of people mostly sort of falsifying records have, you know, picking against stale lines. I mean, there's, there's so many scam artists out there that it's hard to decipher truth from lies and i mean a lot of it you can do based on seeing how these sites market themselves i mean it's easy for us to say that vegas dave is full of shit because um i'm using saucy words again by the way jeff ma uh, <laughs> <laughs> because nobody you know if, if he wins his first if he doesn't win his first 50 plays you get the rest of the season for free blah 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 right but but one, one thing that was interesting was the conversation um on twitter that kind of it actually stemmed i think you all made a comment about this on your on your top podcast uh that buying picks effectively increases the vig by quite a lot sometimes and i think if i mean one thing you haven't seen a lot of is people selling picks like like legitimate people not just trying to like market this but like and trying to make it like a co-investment like saying i'm you know i'm giving out this pick um if if my picks over the course of the season do not win i will you know i'll give you your money back for it like not just one pick but like or i will you know or think about this or you could basically if you're a tout you could bet on yourself by saying if i don't if 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 i don't win not only do you get your money back but i pay you like i pay you for the you know For holding money, basically, basically I'm betting on my own picks winning. Like you can essentially create a artificially create a bet that way, or something like that. I mean, I feel like that would be a way. You know, I mean, basically, ways to align incentives. I think that's the most important thing there. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. There was just so much stuff to make it. There was a lot that made you think. Like, because there was, there was some pretty. I mean, there was some bullshit going on, but there were some pretty smart people that chimed in. And, uh, plus EV analytics, he made some of the better points that I read. I thought, and his one, it said, and it, it bugged me a little, he said, you know, if you're going to pay and increase the VIG, and, you know, you're probably not paying for plus EV anyway. He's like, if you have to have action, you're not confident in your ability, flip, flip a coin. A if you really got yeah. at it. And yeah. I guess my, my argument, my argument to that. And then that's the one thing that I really thought about the most this week. And it's, I don't know. It's almost like you're not not buying an experience, but you're buying that warm, fuzzy feeling like that somebody smarter than you that actually, you know, maybe it's a guy who actually does long write-ups and has some stats to back stuff up. Like that feeling, that's what you're paying for. People are willing to pay the extra vig, essentially, to have somebody tell them to hold their hand and say, I think this is a good play because of X, y, and Z, and they go into the game feeling better because people don't want to flip. And I will posit this with, I have bet an entire days worth of first and half and or first and second half lines by flipping a coin. and it worked out very well that day. But for the most <laughs> part, people don't want to, people don't want to sit point. and bet a you know, they don't want to sit and flip a coin. They want to sit and feel like they're going into the game with a little bit of an edge. And, I mean, I think that's what you're buying by paying that extra vig. Yeah, but I, I, I think there will always be a market.
2: Yeah, okay. So, uh, to me, sports betting is interesting and challenging because it's a way to actually test myself, right? I have a scoreboard. I can say, okay, are my theories correct? And I think even if my theories are complete shit, like Jeff Moss, saucy, um, I, have, <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, can, I can actually – I have a way of verifying And so I think even if I was a recreational better, I'm like, you know, I see, I have this theory about how the game's going to play out and I can basically put my money where my mouth is on it. And I think that that is what drives a lot of, I would think that's what drives a lot of recreational betters. But if I'm just like saying, okay, I'm going to outsource this to someone and like, I, I don't know what you're getting out of it, but I do think personally. Yeah. I think one of the big things is kind of like FOMO. Like you see someone advertising, oh, it absolutely well. You don't want to miss out on the train, the money That's train. And, and I mean, hell, think about like crypto and why, why people invested in crypto. Like when, like, like what, five hours ago, <laughs> <laughs> like 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 earlier today. What's what's Bitcoin at well, right this now? This morning, like fourteen grand. Like, is it really 12, 14 grand now? 12. 13? It was,
1: it, it like peaked at 14 today before there was a massive sell off. It's in the 12s right now.
2: Okay. But still, <laughs> I'm like, 12, 12, 12, money in instead of Bitcoin? Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. You know, I, 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 I fucked that one up, but. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I guess, uh, I mean, I I got a got question a for, you, for both of you guys. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, yeah. I mean, a question with what the point Rufus made there about. And I think that's how we feel too, as far as like I have logical theories that I want to take and back test with data and then try to beat the market with. But I think you know, it's almost hard to explain to somebody with that mindset. There are people that aren't in that mindset. I think there's a strict dividing line between people who, who say, I, I want to do that, like like Rufus just said, I have a scoreboard it shows me whether i'm doing my math right and i'm you know i'm able to predict the future essentially and there are people who just that they don't get off on that they want some action on the game they want something to cheer uh cheer for on a game they might not normally watch or it's the the thursday night game between two teams that aren't in the same conference as their, you know, as their favorite hometown team. They just want a little action. They're willing to buy some picks on that. They're not the kind of people that want that, you know, that have that, the drive, the scoreboard to, you know, to sit and do all the research and do the math. And I mean, yeah. I guess some just don't have the time.
1: I'll, I'm going to go farther. I'm going to go a step farther and say that those people who bought those picks who are then also spraying they're you know who, who are irresponsibly spraying bankroll all over the board otherwise they may not even know that they're not getting plus EV picks right like they may say well man geez god can you imagine how good this how bad i would be doing even worse if i if i wasn't betting these picks i bought you know like, I, like it wouldn't surprise me if there are people out there who just you know, are, are, you know, granted, granted, I'm like describing problem gamblers, not like people who uh-huh. really like
0: are <laughs> sitting,
1: sitting sitting down and like really trying yeah, to, we're going like, to give out
0: a phone number at the end of this. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, but, but yeah, but, but, but basically like, yeah, the reality is 90, what, 90 something percent of people who are buying picks from a pick seller, you are paying someone to flip a coin for you. Right. Sure. I mean, like, that's, that's, that's the predominant, uh, it's, that's a pre- predominant transactional, uh, you know, situation for, you know, for this space right now. Uh, I wanna go back to one of the points you made about there being sort of third party monitoring and stuff like that. Like, do you think is the responsibility of the gaming community in general or the gaming regulators in general to come up with some sort of, you know, licensed marketplace where there is like an actual kind of trusted party uh, responsible for this sort of stuff as it grows beyond, you know, New Jersey and becomes presumably nationwide over the next few years?
2: That's a good question. And I think most, I, I think in terms of government intervention you know consumer protections like they you know you have the consumer financial protection bureau and all that um and you have like what the i don't know how, what protects people against false advertising in general i mean i feel like there probably are touts that are legally liable for for some of that right i i feel like in europe yeah, some touts sure. have gotten like fined or something like that or you know, for, yeah for sure but for like, consumer, I mean,
0: protection like agency. consumer protection agency yeah, I mean, a, Bureau.
1: Yeah. like there are bodies that do this sort of stuff like hey the fda like great you know no one sells snake oil anymore right but like there was a time when people were out there selling snake oil and like yeah you can't get away with that anymore because there's a food and drug administration and you know there's like there's a there's a government regulatory body that that monitors this stuff like are you're you talking know,
2: about literally snake oil like, like when you say <laughs> snake oil when you're saying there's someone literally <laughs> selling something called snake oil that is, that was a real thing at one million percent. Yeah, that, <laughs> it that, had to it, be right. It, it, for, yeah, sure. It,
1: for sure. In like the in in like the Wild West, I'm I'm guarantee you people were going town to town selling you know oh, total yeah. bull, total bullshit remedies for for all your ales, and, and that's more or less what it is. But well, is but, it better you know than like, three penis I mean,
2: wine? <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Personally, I think that's better than
1: oil. Yeah, yeah, yeah my,
0: yeah. my mind goes to penny stocks, though. You know that all those if you go on any like investment website that maybe isn't a super high class one i guess you're gonna get ads for people that have all this investing advice and a lot of it is penny stock shit you see that ad everywhere a bunch of different ones and nobody is monitoring that i feel like it's similar where you're not asking somebody for a bunch of money to invest like the investment scams that people are getting nipped for, that's right. I wonder if there will be any recourse for you know people who are legitimately just scamming. You know, because it's it's not a ton of money with any one person for, for these picks, and it just reminds me a lot of that penny stack stuff. Well, let's talk
1: about. I don't. I
0: don't know, the, know and maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe those people are getting, you know, maybe pe- people are getting in trouble for that sort of scheme, and I, I have no idea. But the the prevalence of that just kind of makes me think they aren't.
1: Okay. Let's, but let's talk about incentives aligning for a second though. Like somebody like the New Jersey gaming commission, right? Like it's their incentive for, to increase the handle. It's That, that is, that is yeah. a very, very clearly part of their incentives. And guess what? If, if there is rampant fraud in the pick selling space going on, that is number one, a leak from the amount of money that is going into the pools to bet. And number two, is giving people, an, you know, is painting the industry as unfair, as this isn't a fair chance, as I'm going to get scammed if I start betting. Like, all, all of these are humongous negatives that that if I was, you know, the the New Jersey Gaming Commission, I would put, like, a task force out there right away to study, like, you know, we need to to get control of this because it's hurting our bottom line. It's affecting the handle. It's affecting the perception of fair play. Uh, and I think those things are super important if you're going to grow the gaming industry in general, as you know, as as you hope to do in these states.
2: But but does it really hurt the their bottom line? I mean, yeah,
0: I, I think that mar- All there. these
2: people, all these people marketing themselves mm-hmm. is like market. You know, marketing it sports betting is very easy to beat if you have you know, follow the right person. Um, I think that helps their bottom line. And I thought you're going to go a different direction with um, the New Jersey DGE in terms of, like, I mean, I, I do think that, that these regulatory bodies aren't truly independent because they, you know, their interest lies with the casinos and with, you know, they're funded, right, by casinos, basically. I mean, they're funded by the government, but, you know, but but these arms wouldn't exist if it wasn't for casino revenue. So their whole existence depends on casinos continuing to make money. And so um, the question is, how can they be independent in terms of investigating casino abuses and oversteps of, you know,
1: yeah. That's a whole nother conversation. Do you have any thoughts on that and how that's playing out? Particularly, particularly in light of what might be one of the bigger stories in all of, you know, in all of gaming news this year, William Hill buying Caesars. Oh. Uh, do we right. expect that that to happen? Do we have any sense in any way, shape, or form that any regulator will stand up and, and stop that merger? Do we think that this merger in any way, shape, or form benefits players? Or is this like as as terrible a potential outcome as the the folks on Seaville make it out to be?
2: You know, I, I thought you were going a different direction. I thought you were going to say with my experience <laughs> with the DraftKings thing and, and, and the DGE with that. But um, but that's probably good that you didn't go there. Because um, <laughs> I do have, you know, there's things I shouldn't be saying. Um, yeah, we'll look at that. Anyway. Um, no, I, I you know, I, I don't know that much about, about the merger. But obviously, I mean, I don't think it'll it'll help gamblers but at the same time i mean new jersey is a pretty competitive marketplace in the fact that you have what like 12 different operators and so i, I don't know how like how much it'll actually hurt but I, I think um yeah i i hope that things remain competitive but I, the thing is you're gonna have some a lot of these books probably i mean i think captain jack talks about this all the time or at least some of the time that that he doesn't think that you know this many books are going to be able to be sustained in this market. Like it, they're just not going to be that many books that can be profitable. And so, uh, you won't really see the same level of competition moving forward. There'll be some winners and there'll be some losers. And I think William Hill and Caesars are trying to make sure that they remain a winner. Um, it's, I, you know, I, I, they'll still be competing against DraftKings, against FanDuel, those are the big ones. If
1: but if but FanDuel yeah. for sure for sure FanDuel has mm-hmm. already been tucked under the umbrella of Patty Power, Bedfair, right? right. That's now one entity. Um, it and, full, and in full and e- in an effort to in an effort to be transparent, our only ever paid podcast was paid for by TVG, which is also part of that family. No. Um, but <clears throat> and, uh, to go back to it, would it surprise you at all if somebody like William Hill grows and grows and then you know ups, you know becomes merged with something like DraftKings and then you effectively have two players in the Northeast in the gambling space and you know as that that alone those two beh- behemoth retail books kind of squeeze out the possibility that you could have a pinnacle type model emerge in the United States.
2: You know, I actually think it doesn't make it less likely that there's a pinnacle-type model because it actually makes it more likely because there's a, there would be a greater need for a pinnacle-type book. And as, as long as, you know, there's market access for someone that wants to do that, you know, there's a possibility. But I, I actually, you know, I, I moved to Las Vegas back in 2008. And back then, there were so many different independent books. You had, let's see, i trying to remember independent books that you don't have now. I mean, well, you had Jerry's Nugget, which, you know, you, you didn't want to really you didn't really want to go up there um let's be honest that 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 was taking your life in your hands a little bit um you know you had um arizona charlie's you had well you know the different arizona charlie's properties um palms at one point was independent you had leroy's cal neva i mean you had a bunch of different independent books and you know, since then you've you know, everybody. You, there's been so many mergers, and there's so there's so fewer betting options. And I think New Jersey right now is almost better than Vegas. You know, for better. Actually, I think it is better than Vegas for better in general because you do have more options. And Vegas used to have that, but it doesn't anymore. So I'm gonna I'm gonna amend my statement and say, yes, it is concerning. Okay.
1: Okay. One of the most interesting that, yeah, tweet, no, tweet threads, you go to put the out, Captain yeah.
0: Jack thing. The the Captain Jack stuff, that makes me think of a lot of the things he said, <clears throat> you know, about which casino, not which casinos, we'll get to that, but which books had, you know, what kind of pricing they were able to pay for acquisitions, and a big difference was based on if they had a casino. And I don't know a whole lot about those independent books, and, you know, everywhere has slot machines in Vegas. The gas stations have them. I'm sure they did, too. I feel like the numbers you see of Las Vegas and what those places make on slots and everything else, especially slots compared to the sports book, it just kind of makes you think the ones that have casinos are going to probably be the ones that end up on top because I, I mean, you're getting people in there to the book to maybe make your profits at the, at the casino anyway. And yeah. I mean, are those guys going to be able to offer better pricing be like, you know what? Our juice is better. We're going to, we're going to you know, our VIG's going down and we're going to become the place you want to be if you want a sports bet just to get people in the doors so they end up at the casino as well because that's where you know that's where their bread's buttered anyway. And yeah, some I mean, of those I ones c- that don't have casinos, they might just go out.
2: I completely agree. I mean, I think that if, you know, for casinos, sports books originally were a lost leader, basically. You know, this, these casinos didn't want to have sports books. You know, they'd rather use that space for slot machines. But at the same time, having a sports book is a competitive advantage. It gets people in the, in the door and they'll, you know, lose money on all the other things. And I think that if I was, if I was a, casino, I would try to use a sports book as such. I I would make it the most appealing of all these other sports books base, you know, have all these great promotions. I don't know. I honestly don't know how price sensitive most sports betters are. My guess is probably not that price sensitive. And so, you know, that's fair. I, I once asked, um, I don't know if Aaron will mind me telling the story, but um Aaron Kessler of the golden nugget, like if what you know, what would happen if you if if, if one book like went to like minus one oh seven, minus one oh seven Vegas? And, and Aaron is like, that would be awful. Nobody'd want to bet there because nobody wants it to would deal only with only be sharp. It would only no. be sharp players. No, yeah, wants yeah. to deal with what? Nobody wants to deal with change. Oh, oh, okay. It's like it's like something I never even oh, thought of. It's like, oh yeah, you know, I, if, yeah. If you're betting, you know, mobile gaming, you're not thinking about that. But you know, if you're going to the count and you're betting 110 to win 100, you know, rather oh, yeah. than or, or, or sorry, I should say like 11 to win 10 rather than ten dollars and seventy cents to win 10. Nobody, no, everybody hates change. Yeah. Right. Hmm. And so, so, so I don't know how much, like, you know, I, I think it's yeah. A, there's probably a reason that these sports books are offering all these promotions because they actually work and that's the best way to get people in the door. And that's what people, that's what all the books in New Jersey are doing. And if I was a casino, I think that's probably, like, that's where you're going to make the money. Like sports books make like no money relative to the slides, like none. You have to be, you know, even what's the most profitable sports book in the world? Probably bet 365. Yes. Without a doubt. That we know of.
1: I don't think that's close. I think she's one of, that woman who uh, who operates Betts 365 is one of the most uh wealthy women she in the, in the so world. One of the wealthy, wealthy yes. humans in the world.
2: Right, right. I'm sure that there might be some book in Singapore we don't know about that's Oh, that's okay. Okay. Asian okay, market is a yeah, okay, very okay, different okay. story entirely. Sure. That's, I mean, that's, it's a different system, fair. so I don't That's fair. Actually it's So uh, yeah, with the different system, I'm actually not sure that they're I I, I, I still think probably that 365, right? And and how much are they making relative to like what these casino what a casino makes like what that 365 is making a few hundred like million a year 600 like what is it half a billion a year maybe
1: that that sounds conservative to me honestly i think that i think that their footprint is pretty big
2: yeah
1: Um, But, but but your point is very well taken though in terms of just the the brick and mortar part of it which is yeah slots clearly and clear, you know, clearly the profit margin is not even in the ballpark i mean even in you know even in sports books, like I've, at least from what i've seen the ways that they try to differentiate from each other isn't necessarily you know well promotions is obvious for sure but you know like the experience of coming down and then hanging out there doesn't necessarily feel different from one to the other it's almost all like okay we'll offer these unique gaming options for you like you can play a game this way, or like you can bet into these lines that no one else is offering, right? Like they're they're trying to be kind of unique and and um, differentiate in terms of the you know, your betting options and that's what gets people in the door and, and gets people interested, I think. And, you know, to a degree they're offering those, I think as a loss leader, cause they're like, yeah, come play these random ways you can play player props and then, oh yeah, also bet the NFL sides and totals, which is what we need you to be here betting. Right. Like right. I, I, I'm guessing that yeah. that's kind of the key differentiator amongst the sports books. And, you know, I'm curious, you, you want to, one of the threads you had, about your experience betting nfl regular season win totals was fascinating i've learned a lot of that and i appreciate you putting all that information out there um you know can you recap a little bit of that for those listeners who didn't necessarily see that tweet thread in terms of your experience in in new jersey going from book to book and you know how how, you know how they treat the players
2: um sure i mean i think overall it was a good experience it's I, i was a little surprised at which books took the most money from me um but I've also heard very different stories from other people, and to be quite honest, I'm not sure how much DraftKings taking more from me is trying to, you know. I've heard other control. Yes, (laughs) I've heard other people are not getting nearly the same limit there. So, you know,
0: uh,
2: I don't want to like generalize from that, but yeah, I I bet some regular season wins and some golf matchups and golf stuff um, of about a month ago, I guess. Um, I went to FanDuel. I went to I did DraftKings. I did William Hill. I was getting five thousand dollars a pop on round matchups from William Hill for one day, well, a half a day, and then, then I got reduced to fifty dollars. And they told me it was because they had called. Um, the guy in the customer service said it was because they they had talked to William Hill Nevada, where I'm banned, and decided that well, they can't ban me here, yeah. but <laughs> they can limit me severely. So. I personally you know not to, to get all legal but I, I don't I'm not even sure the legal step, like what what their legal ability is to like communicate wagering information across state lines with the wire act I mean literally that's what they were doing communicating like pre wager information for me and like previous wager histories with William Hill in Nevada to, to determine whether I'm allowed to bet um, let's take them down I, that's a that's a that's for the lawyers though because the wire act is like the most hard to understand it, it's the simplest it's like uh, two sentences right maybe even one sentence yet nobody can you know, nobody can come to a consensus that's what makes
0: it convoluted exactly because it's it's you know it's like it's like reading it's like reading the declaration of independence we're like you yeah, know who who knows what they meant here
1: or the Constitution, which Who's has been reinterpreted say? by justices. There's a whole branch of government that reinterprets uh, what the Constitution says.
2: But yeah, um, right. okay. And we're all trying to say, like, w- you know, we're, we're holding these people in, like, the late 1700s in such high esteem because they obviously knew what's going to be best for 21st century society. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, yeah. it was slavery then. Yeah. Like, why, why do, yeah,
1: anyway, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, so going back to New Jersey and sports books in general and differentiation and all of this stuff, um, do you see a future where there is regionalization for prices between the same entity? Like if William Hill owns books in, uh, you know, in, um, in Boston, in Providence, in, you know, New York, New Jersey, and Philadelphia, like are they going to have the same prices uh, on the NFL games on any given Sunday?
2: No, I mean they don't right now. William Hill has the Rhode Island book and I think they were hanging like Patriots minus 4 for the Super Bowl. <laughs> oh, and you know what? They took a ton yeah, of paper I remember that. that. And that's a really smart thing for them to do. I mean, if you're risk, you know, if, if you're if you're not too risk averse, what you really want is a bunch of people betting on the wrong side. That's the, you know, basically that's betting with an edge. So, I I think you should do that if you you can. I mean, obviously, there's going to be – if you're William Hill, you have a built-in advantage because if someone comes in and they want to bet the wrong side, the side you don't want action on, you'll just say no. But, you know, most books don't have that advantage. But William Hill definitely does, so why not?
1: Ooh, man. So in a Patriots-Eagles Super Bowl, uh, you could be setting yourself up as a book for a massive middle, offering – philadelphia plus four in philadelphia and new england minus seven in new england
2: yeah but but here's the thing here's what you do if you're a book you offer you could offer like you know what was it philadelphia plus four or gc minus four
1: yeah i was saying basically you're you your shape basically shave yeah. a point and a half off of
2: both sides in each regional market yeah but here's what you do you put like Philly plus four. If you want, you want everybody betting Philly plus fours. You put Philly plus four, and then you put like plus one (laughs) hundred five. No, no, minus
1: minus one hundred five. Yeah, okay,
2: good. So, but then, but then you also book. You you could put like, I mean, you could put New England minus four, like minus two hundred or something. Be like, ah, just. I mean, in in a sense, because you know, it through
1: through price, yeah.
2: You could basically book like a better like trying you, you say okay this is it, it's what books do right now with one-way action i mean in new jersey like they're allowed to do it in new jersey they're not allowed to in nevada but um like i saw for example for the us open or no or pga championship was one of those um you could bet on whether brooks Kepka made a hole in one in a major for the- <laughs> there was a yes but not a no price right i mean so they're saying like like DraftKings was basically saying we don't know what the actual price is on this, but we know that like, if, if somebody bets the yes at 80 to one, like it's an awful deal for them. We don't know how big a favorite the no is like, but we probably can't price it high enough. And so we'll just only, we don't want that action. We'll only take the yes action. There's nothing illegal for a book to say like, Hey, like, like William Hill on last Super Bowl in in Rhode Island could have said, okay, we're going to book the Patriots minus four and a half. Hell, we were going to book the Patriots minus six and a half, and you know, and we'll book like um, the Rams plus six and a half minus a thousand. Like nobody's going to bet <laughs> that. But what? You know? yeah.
0: We yeah. We, get all,
2: we get all this action one side, and here's the thing: the you know why they don't do that because the PR would be so bad, and they yeah, or, I mean, reverse but they basically oh, yeah. do do that because if if I came in, if they if if they set the line at six and a half. Or I mean, and they did set the line at four. Like, if I came in and wanted to bet the Rams plus four, limit bet it, you can be sure that like that bet would probably be rejected. Oh man, dude, man! It,
0: it goes to your it goes to your point on pricing. How you know the general betting public probably isn't worried all that much, <clears throat> especially the people that aren't. You know, maybe, you know, Joe Schmo has three or four different offshores. It doesn't take a lot of work to, to do that sort of thing. Just pull them up. And I guess with apps, you can do that too now. But, yeah, if most of the people aren't too concerned about price, they're never going to be concerned about a one-way market like that. Because, no. you know, what's yeah. what's the straddle there? Ah, they don't care. It doesn't matter. I'm I'm either going to bet it or I'm not. I don't care. It, you know, it's either I'm, I'm going to take a, a flyer on that or I'm just going to ignore it altogether. Like, the average trader doesn't care that – uh that they they're for, not forced to show the other side of that,
2: right? And you know what? I mean, people say, "Well, what would you rather have them just not offer that market?" And what I think, kind I kind of, I, I can, yeah, me too. You know, if they <laughs> offer, if they put the other side at like minus a hundred thousand or something like that, then people would be like, "Oh my God, that seems outrageously large, big." <laughs> and, and because they don't do that, they're basically hiding the fact that it's such a high pick market.
1: Yes, and they I,
2: are. I, I wish, you know, I, you know, I don't know how other people are going to feel about this, but I wish, like, because because it's literally basic math, and people should be able to do the basic math themselves. But, but, well, but, but for some markets, it isn't. I mean, for some markets, it requires adding up like a hundred different numbers. But if 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 they had basically the the expect the bookmakers theoretical hold percentage for, um, for each market and had to display that, I think that would be something that would help like if a book if a better was like okay you know if i'm just guessing i'm expected to only lose like two percent here versus on this market if i'm guessing i'm expected to lose eight percent like versus this futures market like i'm expected to lose 40 percent like yeah I think so that's let's, let's it's like putting that we the live...
0: calories on the, on the McDonald's menu. Yeah,
2: there you Honestly, go. Honestly, yeah. It, it <laughs> is, it's basically <laughs> like quite, saying like – Exactly. That's a very You're, Everybody's good analogy. an idiot. it's like, a very good you, analogy. We have to idiotize like everything.
1: So if we lived in a perfect world – I've, I've thought about that same about thing
0: about with craps. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Good. If If people well, actually, <laughs> if they
0: would actually show that, if they, if they would put the odds on the hard ways, like here's the actual odds of hitting a hard way and compare, like if people could see that on the craps table, I don't think anybody would bet in the middle anymore.
2: Like just, <laughs> that oh, true. The,
0: those are, those are all horrible bets. What are, what are we doing?
2: <laughs> people are awful holistically.
0: It, well, it, it, it's like your 365 point though, too. It's, and it makes me think of, it, it's a trade-off. Like you say, would you would you want that market offered or not? Most people I think would say yes. I, they like options. People like options. And that's why 365 is so successful. It's funny, I was talking to a guy today in Canada who I'm doing a little research project on some golf numbers. And I said, can you look some things up for me on Pinnacle and 365? I just want to know the differences. Basically, the differences in the markets they offer for golf and their, their grading rules. And he says, you know, he says, Pinnacle doesn't have a whole lot. He's like, but Jesus, 365 has pages. Every single kind of market, top Korean. And, I mean, this is the shitty tournament up in Detroit. They're offering a <laughs> ton of markets compared to Pinnacle. And, he, I mean, he'll even admit this, too. He uses 365 quite a bit for things. And he says, you know, you laugh at the prices sometimes there, but, man, they have everything. Like you can always find stuff. You're never you're never worried about finding a bet there. It's it, it's a trade off for I mean the, the general betting public that wants to bet into any market that's possible to put a line on. Yeah, a million not, sports. It's too. like you said with the putting the handle on. They, they don't you know most people aren't going to look at the theoretical hold. They don't they don't care. They just I wanted to bet on this. Three six five has it.
2: True, but how so, many people really are betting on top Korean in the you know? rocket mortgage classic just all, you
1: need, like, all you uh, need all really you son, need is one guy, I don't know, no, that, sung, that, it doesn't sung? matter it doesn't matter all you it's need, is one, all you one need is one guy who wants to all you need is one guy who wants to it doesn't matter I it doesn't to. matter if there's a bunch <laughs> or not because as long as there's one guy who wants to then he has to come do do he has to come do business with you that's it that's it that's the whole yep. point of like offering and it's like, going to be it's going to be sung
0: kang anyway
2: the last podcast Talk about Koreans winning at golf. Like, got somebody suspended, so we shouldn't. Uh. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> no, I don't. That's oh, no, Oh, no. Hank, Not even a little bit. asked about the LPGA. He said oh, he didn't know oh, any. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He couldn't name oh, any yeah. LPGA players, but he knew a Korean would win. Oh, no. Oh, no, Hank. <laughs>
0: yeah. And then, and and then
2: he, said, he also said he's going to go with Lee <laughs> as the last oh, no. name because there's so many. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, Hank. <laughs> and he got to spend like, He was like, afterwards, someone named, a Korean named Lee did win. And he was like, see, I told you, like, I was right. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay. It's no. like, keep taking it. Bad idea. All right. Okay.
0: Okay.
1: So, you know, I guess, I guess, are we doing a lot of hand-wringing here over consumer protections in a space where, you know, are the consumers don't give a flying fuck? I mean, like, I I, honestly, like, I would like there to be all all the things we've talked about, transparency about affiliates and, you know, um, you know, third party, you know, uh, validation of uh, you know, of pick sellers, like, like those things seem relevant, seem reasonable. If we lived in a perfect world where our government truly cared about consumer protections, I feel like those things would emerge, but you know, do people care do you know what should our motivations be going forward what are your motivations i mean you're you're doing a podcast bet the process it's it's phenomenally entertaining it's interesting uh you know i i'm curious you know like like where do you see the future of gambling content going what should we be doing what should we be caring about
2: well i have to say it's great doing a podcast with two of my seven listeners so
0: Um. (laughs) (laughs) honestly (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> uh, that's very good the reason, uh, the, reason um, the origin story about the process is actually actually does have something to do with consumer consumer protection um, back this was like let's see I guess three years ago I, I talked to Jeff about like I had this idea for doing some sort of um, tout like independent third party like monitoring an, an industry watchdog like kind of media site um, and mm-hmm but that would take a lot of work and you know, that wouldn't really mean a lot and it would yeah. cost a lot of money. And I was like, I, I talked with Jeff about it and Jeff, Jeff was like, well, we could have a podcast too for it. And so what ended up happening is we had a podcast and no website. And so, um, but honestly, the, the, the whole DraftKings thing kind of has motivated me a little bit uh, in terms of, I mean, I feel like it's a, well, with legalization, nation—well, not nationwide, but but the, you know, in a bunch of different states. I mean, you you do have different laws everywhere, and it feels like the wild west. It really does And terms of what's going on in all these different states. And and it feels like the right opportunity, honestly, to do something in that, you know, on the consumer protection side. And that's kind of what I'm, I'm I'm hoping to be able to say I'm going to launch this soon, um, this sort of nonprofit that I'm trying to launch, but um, well, we'll see. These things take longer than expected, and I'm not a—I'm not a great business person. Um, I'm good at like developing models and betting, but that's very simple. Starting an actual comp- <laughs> nonprofit is a little more complicated, yeah. and so um, and luckily, that, luckily, I have great lawyers. Uh, but it still is going to take some time, and it's—it's it's about getting funding, both you know donations as well as grants. But to be honest, I don't, that, that kind of came later, I guess, like that, the process at the beginning was just for Jeff and I to sort of talk about sports betting. And, and I, I don't really know what our mission was exactly, um, I guess, and, and, what, and more broadly speaking, what my rationale for for spending so much time on Twitter the past like, what, like eight or nine months has been. It's just become this sort of habit, I guess. I used to be able to go like a month at a, a month and like forget, forget entirely that Twitter existed and now it's like, you know, my girlfriend's like, like, are you on Twitter again? Are you like, can you just like leave that alone? And and it honestly does hinder my productivity. So I'm, I'm I'm actually trying to become a lot less, like I'm I'm trying to basically, I'm just going to like check once a day or something like that or respond to any threads I feel like I need to once a day and that'll be it. But.
1: Well, the yeah, the algorithm has clearly broken my brain, uh, Andy. I don't know about you, how you feel, but like you know, I I and you know I am on, on
0: I'm on Twitter quite a bit.
1: Yeah, too much for sure. I admit that. Um, I are don't, you I'm on not Twitter right a, now?
2: That's the real question.
1: <laughs> Andy probably you, you were so last I'm, time. So. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> I am um, scrolling but uh yeah i mean you know i mean i i've the the social you know my my utility for twitter like i like yes i am giving them a lot of my time and attention and i admit that but like i do feel like i'm getting a utility out of it i do feel like there's serious value in having a network um if you're going to be in the gambling space i feel like there's serious value in having a network that helps keep you current uh it helps give you you know provide information that you're not going to get by just by scraping data and then running models like there's I personally find that aspect of you know betting and handicapping more interesting than just you know setting a program up and you know you know blackboxing it and run and, and spit out an answer and then go you know plug and play and, and count count the money at the end of the day. Like I'm much more you know like to have my hands in the in the wheels and the gears and you know and, and tweaking things on the regular. Like that's that's where my mind and, and my you know attention and focus usually come in for gambling. And so having a network of people who are giving you information on you know, injuries and free agency moves and, you know, you know, people who are reading research about football and, you know, and who are, you know, have their finger on the pulse of the analytics community in terms of what's important for, you know, fantasy even helps, you know, trickle into handicapping that sort of stuff you only can kind of get if you distribute a network and, you know, you have like a whole bunch of people who are all kind of have a common goal of let's win money betting sports. And, you know, you kind of use, you know, use a broader network to kind of, you know do research more or less yeah, um, no, but i think it definitely so, has benefits. yeah so that 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 part of it to me i think is, is we wouldn't a fair we wouldn't have a podcast
0: attention. without gambling right. twitter
1: plus it's fun plus it's fun and it's Wait, funny so, and i, I feel I, I
0: feel like we're an old couple we met on here
1: that's a good did point you, and you met on we twitter? would not we would not know each other if we were not uh, posting pics for for gambling twitter yeah that's
2: and for sure we all never actually met in person yes how many times yes uh twice In Vegas? Two times in Vegas. Always in Vegas. In Vegas. I love it. We'll we'll always have Vegas. Yeah. Vegas always brings people together. What can I say? That's exactly right. Um, uh, I
0: mean, didn't we say it on the last podcast? Well, you know, back to your hand wringing and then what Rufus said about bet the process and his idea with the nonprofit. Like, it's impossible to save every soul. Sure. You know, it's like trying to end the heroin epidemic overnight. Like, we can't keep everybody from getting scammed or doing stupid stuff just by the lessons we've learned, but like, hopefully with some of those evergreen topics, hopefully with some of the stuff we say weekly, hopefully even some of the stuff we tweet, like maybe it hits a nerve or alerts you of something you weren't aware of. And you can be a smarter consumer, a smarter, better. Like we're, we're not going to come out and say, we're going to make you a good, better, but I mean, hopefully some of this stuff will help somebody actually dig into this like there's there's somebody that listened to this that had (laughs) no idea what theoretical hold is and i mean they might look that up and dig into that and know a lot more about the markets after okay we'll put a little bit more research let's put it put a
1: pin in that for a second because let's do some service for those people who are listening let's give them some tips let's give them some advice you are you know rufus you are a sage uh you know at this point in the time you have been doing this for a long a hell of a lot longer than, than most other people. You have experience and you have an understanding of the marketplace that a lot of other people don't.
2: I know that for no, sure. No, I've, I've just managed to convince Twitter people or people like... That's, that's, that's uh, utterly ridiculous. That's utterly I'm ridiculous. I'm really... I'm so bad at explaining myself that people think that in general I must be really smart because nobody can understand what I'm doing. Okay.
1: Well, let's, 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 that's, that's, that sounds like, uh, you know, that sounds like, um, you know, uh, good that you're humble about that sort of thing, but let's, let's be, let's, let's give some advice to some people. And the first people in the audience that I want to address are the people who I think, uh, I think are our kind of our core listeners, people who are out there trying to figure this out for themselves, for lack of a better term, people who are like kind of in stage one of being originators of their own line of their own price. Of their own, you know, handicap for some specific market. Um, you know, for the most part, like my point of view that I was trying to get across in that touting podcast was kind of reaching those people who are out there, kind of grinding and trying to find an edge. Maybe they've stumbled on something. Maybe they figured out, you know, some very specific niche angle that the market is not accounting for broadly. And they have an advantage on in some sport or some liquid market, but you know, and and they maybe maybe even they figured it out last year for the NHL, and they bet it all season, and they turned you know a, a five hundred dollar deposit into five thousand dollars, and they're like, holy shit, what am I going to do now, right? Like like someone who's who's spent the time, who's done the grinding, who's built some sort of originating model that has value, that has some sort of plus EV, because you know it's it's such a niche angle that they're betting into that it just the market is not capitalizing it you know it does not you know accounting for it in some way like let's say that they've you know that they made 100 units betting flat flat betting you know they're 50 dollars a game last year in some you know relatively liquid market like what do they do now like what would your advice be to them like try to find a betting partnership try to get free rolled go tout like you know like like that that was kind of my my underlying point in the tanning pod, which is like, if you have a bona fide edge that you've bet into, you know, it's real. And now what do you do with it? If you're undercapitalized, I don't have a good answer for that. And I was kind of like, yeah, do whatever the fuck you want to do with that. Like, I don't have, I don't really know what to say. Do you have better advice for those people?
2: Yeah. Email <laughs> If You have an edge. If you have a winning model. <laughs>
1: You're going, you're going to, you're going to pivot. I thought, I see, I, I always kind of held you up as one of the key originators in this space. So you, you're going to, you're going to retire from originating and become a mover.
2: No, no, no. I'm, I I am an originator, (laughs) but like, but at the same time, I, you know, I have a partner and I have like, I'm, I'm, I'm actually transitioning to not doing everything myself in some of these new markets. It's, uh, it's, I'm having to take on more of a project manager role and realizing I'm a really bad manager and having to learn learn that skill. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, yeah. I need to be a little more organized. That that's, that would help. But
1: you, you um, have some apprentices in, in, uh, in that you're kind of uh, mentoring.
2: Yeah. I mean, I have, I have some people doing some stuff. I mean, I like this getting any more detail than that, but I think if you, if you have a bit, I, what I'm trying to highlight though is, is the fact that like if you actually have a model that provides value, there's a lot of people out there that, would pay a pretty penny for it, basically. But they would they would be able would be willing to stake you a lot. And and I mean, look at like a good example is um, look at I mean Barry Horse last year with his baseball model, and it it did quite well, right? I mean i i, I was I wasn't following it last year. I, I found out about Barry Horse like a few, well, not a few, like maybe like in January or something. But but
1: he. Oh, see, that's why you got to be on twitter all the time man we were on the berry horse train in like uh, may and he made us a whole hell of a lot of money last year
2: well done <laughs> well done but because of his success like because people there were people that thought that he actually was that he his model had value they were willing to pay him to not give it out basically and and were willing to you know, basically partner with him and and so he could, you know, he could do better financially that way than selling picks. So I think, in a way, you know, I know Barry Horse is a very divisive person on Twitter, or I don't think Barry Horse necessarily is divisive, but but his, you know, the perceptions of him are cert- certainly are. Um, and so I, I think he's kind of a a good example of why pick selling isn't actually the best way to make money in that situation. It's it's basically like if you have something good. Um, And I guess you have to put. You're right. You have to like show something. So posting free pics on Twitter, right? But but at the same time, if you have something good, um, people will reach out to you. You know, because there's people out there that are looking to make money off of, you know, and there's people that are movers that just need good originators. I mean, those will always exist. So now, now what if it? Now
1: what if you go that route though? And what you have? Albeit real, is fragile, and now that information gets incorporated into the marketplace via you know via mover movers. I gotta tell you what, man, great people. I know some very nice guys. They not great secret keepers. No, right? Like that. Like like fundamentally, once you kind of make that move to okay, I'm gonna have a betting partnership, right? Like there are leaks everywhere. Of course. If you have, if it's a very simple disruptive angle. Like now that, now that leak can, that, that could bleed
2: dry real quick. Well, that's why you don't actually say what your angle is.
1: <laughs> I mean,
2: I, I've i talked about golf on like podcasts and stuff, but I've never, ever given away anything related to my actual handicapping and my models. Like, and that's for good reason. What about
0: the Molinari fade?
2: Well, I told you I faded. <laughs> I mean, I could say, yeah, like, I mean, but I, I, I can create a narrative around it. Sure. Okay. Sure, 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 sure. sure. I'm like 16-year-old. That's, that's we, <laughs> we do that uh, all the, the time. Yeah, you didn't show to hire me one, the one of those sixteen year olds, right? I hire a sixteen-year-old to, to write <laughs> narrative. <laughs> have you ever had you ever heard that story before? No, I haven't. You, but I think I'll, it's genius. You,
1: I'll, I'll tell I think it's, you about it, it some weird, time. that's
2: such um, an entrepreneurial thing for a sixteen-year-old writer to do.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so okay, so then so then uh, there is a little bit of a leap of faith just in terms of you know who you partner with who you you know who your who your movers are like is if it's if it's even if you're not even if you don't say what it is is it not something that can be relatively easily figured out if like you know somebody who's higher up in the food chain let's say that there's somebody out there who has a back end you know, a back end into what all of the paperheads from the United States are—you know—accounts are betting into, and they can see, oh my gosh, these ten accounts that I know this mover is betting into, you know, are winning at a clip that is just freaking unreal in NCAA and now let's keep track of what those plays are and let's try to reverse engineer what that angle is. And let's try to, uh, you know, that now we've captured that angle because we can move more than that and we can manipulate the market in ways that we can get a better number on that angle than they can. Like, how, like, like, isn't all of this just hasten the demise if you enter that space, you know, not really knowing any better.
2: Yeah, I think so. I'm, I'm not an angle guy though. So, I mean, it's to me, like, as you said, angles are fragile and they're not going to last forever. So I don't think an angle is a sustainable thing. I mean, I think if you can consistently find new angles, that's, and I know, I mean, there's plenty of people that that have done that. Um, That's great. But, you know, but if you're winning and then you find a new like if that angle dries up and you find a new angle and you still have someone you're partnering with, you know, you can be successful that way. The other thing you can do is, if you have friends and family and people that believe in you, I mean, you can raise money in a way. I mean, if you're, it's, it's easiest to make money when, or it's easiest to to win betting on sports if you don't have much money because there, there are huge diseconomies of scale. You can yes. bet in openers, you know, you can bet these sort of small market, illiquid, um, markets like props. I mean, it's building up from like $500 to like, what, as you said, like $5,000 is so much easier than going from um, what's, you know, going from like 5,000 to 500,000 or 50,000 to yeah,
1: 500,000. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's 50 like to 500.
2: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. Yes, by, yeah, by mile. Um, so I think a lot, I, I will say, I think a lot of people can, or it, it's easy to think just because you were able to build up from 500 to $5,000 that like you should quit what you're doing and bet for living and I would say like that's really impressive that you build up from f- from five hundred dollars to five thousand dollars like you're in the one percent of people for sure um, okay. because most people aren't doing that but it's still like it, it is a lot harder to scale
1: it okay and- now what if what if you haven't built up though like what if you think you've built a model and you have back tested it and you think you have an edge like are, any any kind of experience
2: that you could shed online for that class of folks who are listening well, that was me basically. That's that's how I started. I, <laughs> I had a model back in, you know, my, my senior thesis, which you can read by the way. I pinned it on Twitter. Finally, um, nice. I, I took out the section that actually had any real usefulness. Though. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. The section with like actual coefficients or something. Dude, like you're gonna that. send people running to the to the Yale library to, to dig that sucker out. <laughs> well, well, here's the thing: it doesn't actually have any value anymore. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, this is ten years later. This model was pre-stat cast. It was pre-Pitch FX for that matter. So like baseball stats have come a long way. But but I was in that position. I thought I, you know, I built something, it had back tested really well. I was like, wow, like I can win at Gambling now. This is great. Um I moved to Vegas and I was, you know, betting on my own. You know, I was working for Las Vegas sports consultants. Um, this was two thousand eight to two thousand nine and Betting props, betting some other stuff, trying to slowly build a bankroll. And I happened to get connected with people that did bet for a living just by happenstance. I, I followed a guy out of a sports book who had asked about NBA props. And as he tells the story, he almost maced me because he thought I was trying to him. <laughs> But yeah, like, you haven't met me, but like, this was me like 10 years ago. I, I'm a skinny dude as it is now. And I, I think I was like even skinnier than I was probably like, you know, 145 pounds Um, I'm not really a very threatening looking guy but I made friends with him and his partners and they got a sense of what I was doing they actually read my senior thesis and decided they wanted to you know to free roll me for the 2009 baseball season so so I was very lucky like if if, if that had not happened I don't know if I would still be doing this for a living I don't know how things would have gone Um, I never really intended to become a professional gambler I was always just into the numbers side of sports and, you know, sort of building this model was sort of a byproduct of that. Um, so I, I guess I'm very fortunate to be in the situation I'm in and I, I don't think it's necessarily right for me to sort of say, this is the right way to do it. This is the wrong way to do it. Just because I'm blessed to have like have been given a great opportunity. But, um, I do think that there are people, you know, I mean, there are people like, my, my former business partners um, who are looking for smart people to basically like provide them information to bet. And also, I mean, there are, you know, especially if you're starting smaller, I mean, if, if, if you want to, if you have an idea, if you, you know, you could probably raise some money. And well, although I'm not sure legally, there, there's legal issues with that probably. Um, if you move to Malta, then there probably aren't. But you know, if you could raise money <laughs> and start a betting fund. I mean <laughs> Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the idea though of partnering up with someone who's effectively going to free roll you and you know, isn't that isn't that kind of like a gray line between just like, okay, you're you're a tout, but you have one client.
2: Um, yeah, yes. I mean you're 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 selling your information to somebody, but I mean, but but the thing is, I think it's more sustainable because you're only selling it to one person.
1: Right. They can absolutely get it down.
2: <laughs> right, And the problem is when you when you, when you sell this information yeah. to a bunch of people, they're all gonna cannibalize each other, yeah, right, right. I mean, like like there'll be people that that are using bots to bet the your picks immediately when they're released, and so everybody else isn't getting that same information. I actually met somebody, I met somebody in Vegas um, or I actually met him in person, but he said that, the Massey Peabody picks. This was a few years ago. This was before the down years in Massey Peabody, but he said he'd made over a half a million dollars. He had a bot that basically bet all the, you know, bet whenever I released picks. The minute they lit. That's awesome. That was like, and he, we had, we had a great night at like Hakkasan and like, it was a a friend of his bachelor party it was, it was a lot of fun. So basically if you release free picks, you have fun nights in Vegas. That has happened to
1: Folks on this podcast, and uh, Barry Horse, <laughs> ironically, yeah. uh, he gets to go play golf wherever he wants to now because uh, there was a whole bunch of people that uh, you know made a lot of money. Um, okay, and that, uh, and that one
0: guy tried to get uh, get him to be in his wedding. That's true, well,
1: and, then, and, and very yeah. much tried not to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, and then very very seriously
0: disappointed. It's, it's funny the it's the crowdfunding story. thing that just yeah. brought up made me think of a tweet where did did you see that I. I I think somebody shared this in earnest and it was a guy saying like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful for everybody in my life right now. I'm going to, I'm fighting through this. You know, I've, I've gotten through my gambling addiction. I'm not gambling anymore. <laughs> and you guys have been so great to support me through this. And he was crowdfunding for like, you know, money to help him get through this. I'm like, I mean, that's he's gambling that he's gambling that money, right? You know, like, like this is this is kind of hilarious. And it's hilarious. Yeah that, that made me that made me think about that. I'm like, man, can you can you crowd a, a bankroll? Would that work? But yeah, there seems like there'd be some uh, some legality.
1: Oh yeah, associated. for sure. I might not okay. want to snare. Let's I mean, let's give some service to uh, one last class of listeners. And then let's wrap this up because this okay. has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, how about the people who are relatively new to the space, who are like ready to go grind, right? Like they're like it, they they've heard stories on this podcast, on your podcast, they've read tweets, and they've caught on on the conversation that's been going on. And they're like, man, I want to play in this. You know, I'm ready to go. Like, what what kind of uh, tips, strategies, uh, and uh, kind of information should those folks seek out uh, to kind of get their feet off the ground?
2: Well, I can really only speak from my own experience, but I would say, like, um, you know, take stats courses, take computer science, learn to code. Um, But beyond that, I mean, that's kind of in a way a prerequisite, I think, to being able to sort of create a good model. But beyond that, you need to be able to think creatively and sort of have ideas. And and I guess having the sort of programming and and sort of statistics background allows you to sort of test ideas. I mean, just today, I was, uh, I've, Compiled some new data for for golf, and I was like able to sort of test some theories I had, and I basically found out that, you know, this actually there's nothing predictive in this particular thing. I love but this. That was really good to know. I mean, I, I it's like oh, I spent a ton of time on this, and it turns out there was nothing there. But that's really useful to know. But, but you can test ideas, and and that's the great thing. And, and sort of, I always I still remember. I think back to, like, I was doing my senior thesis. I was like, you know, I'm never probably going to be the best person ever at stats, but I feel like I have really good ideas about sports because I've always been into the numbers side and sort of thought about them in a certain way. And if I can just be good enough to actually test these things, that's, like, I, I didn't think about doing it for gambling purposes at that point, but I was like, you know, that's – there could be some value there, I guess. And so um, I would say that y- – You need to love what you're doing, though. I I got into this not because I thought it was a way to make a lot of money. I took a job working for a company that paid me twenty five thousand dollars a year, and that was, you know, and I was working like way more than forty hours a week. But I loved it because I love the number side of sports and all that. And so, like, if you if you love this stuff and are willing to devote a ton of time to it, um, and and I think you can be successful. And I think it's, 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 of course, it's harder now than it was 10 years ago, but there's, there's also more data. Um, the problem is everybody else has that data too, but <laughs> with, with, I think with all this advanced data that you have, like Statcast, and you're going to have all this optical tracking data, you're going to have a lot of people making a bunch of mistakes. And I think that a lot of times people, you know, people love talking about machine learning and, and, you know, throwing around these big buzzwords, but, it is dealing with big complicated data sets is really hard and a lot of times the best way to do things is simply and people try to overcomplicate things and make them worse. And I've heard stories from friends, um, I can't actually say the specific companies, but like basically where uh, these companies were doing all this crazy machine learning stuff and someone came in and was like, oh, this simple way works way better. And I, I think in general that is, that's kind of, the way I tried to approach things. Um, Hell yeah. Code. If you look at my code, you'll be like, "This doesn't look simple," but like, uh, <laughs> because I'm my code is awful and disorganized, and I'm. <laughs> <a code>. But, <laughs> but I mean, I think if you have a simpler approach um, that makes logical sense, like that's gonna be better than something that's like trying to use all this stuff and like overcomplicating and overfitting and, um, yeah. I think, I, I still think there are opportunities out there, but it's hard. I mean, it's a grind. It's not easy and you have to put in a lot of hours.
1: I love it. Andy, have you been thinking about any, uh, kind of the, the free resources or tools that you've come across recently that have been especially helpful?
0: No, but I, I, not really. I mean, just networking, talking to people, Jesus. Like I went on a podcast yesterday with a, a guy who's been betting golf way more than i ever have and just he watches a lot more golf he knows a lot more about golf i mean he called the he called the front desk at the detroit golf course and just talked to somebody (laughs) asked him a bunch of questions about it like yeah he's he's like i don't know he's like if that guy didn't want to talk to me it was just a phone call but he gave me a bunch (laughs) of gave me a bunch of useful info And like, you know, that guy brought me on the podcast to talk golf with him, but it ended up just me asking him a lot of questions, which I thought was pretty fun content too. But I mean, there's always somebody smarter than you. That's going to be the key to, I mean, getting through life, everything you do in life. There's people that are smarter than you find those people and ask them questions. I've learned a shitload from you. I've learned uh, of both of you. I've learned stuff from just, you know, random interactions or, you know, whale at the podcast every week and a lot of other people. i have way too many to list. It's like, network, talk to people, and network, but don't uh, don't give away all the secrets.
2: Yeah, right, right. Can I say all something? Right. When I was yeah. back in when I was back in college, I remember when I was researching for my senior thesis, discovering like the SBR forum. And two, this is two thousand, like spring of two thousand eight, and being in hearing all these people talk about all these models and all this complicated stuff and these trends, and I was like, oh my god, this looks so hard little did i realize like you know and honestly it was so discouraging to me i was like wow there's so much that goes into this it's and, and like how am i going to model all that stuff and it turns out most of it's bullshit so basically don't get hung up on what everybody <laughs> else is doing and every you know everybody on twitter says that they you know everybody says they're a winning gambler like most people aren't most people are posturing and you don't have to yeah you don't have to overcomplicate things you yeah. have to do everything all the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's
0: way more noise than signal out there. Way yeah. way way more noise than
2: It's C- so easy to be fooled by by the by noise. But fooled by randomness. Read that that's a good book actually by the way for if you're if you're interested that's in. A, yeah. yeah. Naseeb Naseeb Nicholas Taleb. He's, you know, kind of a world-class asshole, but he's also <laughs> a really smart guy. Like, He's Silver, a good Twitter follow. <laughs> he is. And I'm also going to recommend as a Twitter follow his arch nemesis, Nate Silver, who I think is also a really, really smart guy and less of an asshole. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Also wrote about signal is and actually noise. actually a nice guy. Very, very famously <laughs> wrote about signal and noise.
2: He did. Um, it, it's a great okay.
1: book. That's great. Well, um, I thought of some other stuff about the affiliate podcast. That I just wanted to end on in this exact same vein. Uh, it's crazy because like, you know, we were kind of, like, talking about how, yeah, I mean, you know, like, there, there's, you know, oh, man, like, yeah, if you, you're providing information, but then you're sending people directly to a sports book to lose money. Like, it's completely corrupt, right? But, you know, it's wild that some of the best and some of the most useful learning stuff I've come across has been blog posts on Pinnacle, right? Like, the... Um, the betting podcast, which is, you know, the betting, uh, the uh, the guy from the Jake from Australia who does the betting pod has has people come on and tell those stories That's sponsored by betfair. Uh, the, the, um, uh, the SBR forum even like, yeah, there's plenty of nonsense on there for sure, but some really freaking useful stuff. Uh, if you kind of dig through the noise, like, you know, there's, there are a lot of free resources out there that happen to be kind of, you know, loosely affiliated or on the Pinnacle blog for for crying out loud, uh, Pinnacle podcast too, Matchbook podcast. There, there's a bunch of stuff out there that I've found you know useful and um, you know utility to learn about this space that happens to be associated with these sports books. So you know, not all affiliation is is uh, is you know kind of the the, the Scarlet Letter or uh, you know. So
2: I agree, but I feel like there should be some some transparency there. I mean, transparency for sure, for yeah. sure. Yeah. And, and by the way, I, I also had good experiences on the SPR forum. I remember learning from like, do you, do you remember Gantro? <laughs> yes.
1: That, that was guy? the post I posted yesterday. Uh, <laughs> yes. He worked He worked I, for Heritage apparently for a long time. I'm not sure if he still works for Heritage or not.
2: Yeah. I had a weird incident involving his wife in Las Vegas I'm not. <laughs> 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 2008.
1: That's a small world. Um
0: we,
2: we can cool cut
0: point.
2: that though. <laughs> 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 it's a it's a it's a
1: it's a it's a close knit community. Sorry, excuse say? me. It's it's a close knit community. It yes. is a close knit <laughs> community. Um all right. Well uh we'll uh we will uh, wrap up here. This has been absolutely fantastic. Uh next time you're in Southern California, let me know. I will Find my way to wherever you are and buy you a drink, uh, and uh, keep up the keep up the fight, man. Keep up the good work in terms of uh, player advocacy and kind of you know this uh, an effort to to expand uh, some of the things that will help prolong uh, you know legal gaming, help grow the pool, help encourage participation. I think all I think we all benefit if uh, if we kind of um, you know keep rowing in the right direction on some of these major
2: issues. So. I agree. Best Thanks. Select. You know, yep. I, I love, I love this podcast. I love like what you guys are doing in terms of, I mean, you're b- highlighting these issues. It's not easy to talk about because and they are divisive, but I think it's, you know, if I, I think to grow gambling and, and make the ecosystem healthier overall, I think these things need to be addressed. And so I'm glad you guys are, are, are doing it and I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing your football content as well. So.
1: Oh, hopefully we're we're hopefully we have another successful season. Spinning uh, spinning what we believe to be angles that have predictive value as opposed to bullshit narratives. Um and Just tell uh podcasted, so <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. Well I've been I've
1: yeah, we're gonna, I'm gonna edit this. It's gonna be up tonight. You can listen to it tomorrow uh, and uh, enjoy the rest of your uh, enjoy the rest of the dog days of summer here. And uh, Andy, we will uh, do some do some hot you know pr- do some hot dog eating contest uh, handicapping next week. Does that sound fun?
0: Talk, talk about turning a corner. We go super <laughs> controversial topics, get to it, and then but and I'm not making fun of the hot Professional
1: gambling contest. with Rufus. Peabody. I love it.
0: And the Nathan's hot dog I made, eating contest. Handicaps, I made a, and oil. yeah. I made a shitload <laughs> of it last year. That's awesome. Thank you, Chris Kelly. Dude, yeah. Right. And you know what? Hey, I'm supposed to be... Rufus is oh, the same. No, Chris Kelly was Chris,
1: Chris 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 Kelly is uh, one of our buddies on gambling Twitter who uh, literally like he like he like he like um ingratiated himself to the second place guy in the contest and like was messaging him for like weeks getting all the inside scoop on like the on like the form current eating form of all the competitors (laughs) on what the weather was going to be like how people were preparing for the weather like we like he had he had the inside hookup uh Mm -hmm. and um yeah, that was, I don't know if you know Joey Nish, but he's absolutely fantastic uh, gambling Twitter follow. And, that, uh, no, I, I follow him on Twitter. Yeah, he had that tweet today where uh, the Action Network article had written, you know, the quotes from the Bovada um, the Bovada like risk manager who was like yeah we got hit hard by this super sharp hot dog eating syndicate
2: yeah that was that was definitely Chris
1: hey. that was definitely Chris and Joey and Andy and like yeah we yeah. that was uh that are was we uh, funny. so
0: the, are we are we off is this off offering right yeah no no, no oh.
1: this is it's a wrap right, I mean, we're still that's reclining. a no, I'm like doing my dinner almost. okay yeah that's wrap yeah. best of luck guys